What's up, Sitters? This is Bradford Douglas, along with Joey Edge. Sitters, what's good? And Chris Martinez. What's happening, man? Along with special guest Travis Yeckring. Nice work, big guy. Thank you. The pronunciation was on point. Yes, sir. And we are front porch sitting. <laughs> yeah, he, he did so good on the pronunciation, he almost forgot this last part. <laughs> you mean his actual words? His line, his skit. My yeah. one little scripted part that I do every week. Hey, man, what are we talking about tonight? Uh, we're going to talk some masters because that just happened, and um, uh, most people that didn't bet on Brooks Koepka probably enjoyed that. Yep. Um, <laughs> then we're going to talk a little bit of Gator baseball because some uh, some serious things happened there that I don't really want to relive, but that's okay. And then we're going to work our way to college football, correct? Yep, the college sports. And then we'll um, stay tuned for the end, though. We got an interview with Coach Yeckring here. We've known each other for a while, and then now Joey has gotten to know him a little bit with the coaching scene. So it'll be a really good one, insightful, uh, up-and-coming young coach. So stay tuned for the end. Stay tuned for the end. But before any of that, we're going to talk about JW Weaponry, always loaded, the premier gun store in the South. Go see those people because they're really, really good at their jobs. Joseph, what's the number? Bro, you worked every you worked every line in there. That was impressive. Three eight six two four three eight five eight seven, or you can visit jwweaponry.com. Go see them. Great people. Great prices all the time. Go see them. So, guys, masters, what do you think? So, we honestly need to write a formal apology to everybody in the top five on our previous week's show. We had who did we have in there? We had Brooks Kepka didn't make the cut. Right. Dustin Johnson didn't make the cut. Um, Jordan Spieth he he hung around. Who else was? Who else was in the in the? Uh, Justin Thomas was in there. He hung around. Bryson DeChambeau. He did exactly what I thought he would do early, but he hung around. Yeah, he fold, <laughs> he folded like a cheap tent. That's what he does. It's okay. Um, what'd you think of the overall? Just the performance of everyone. What'd you think? I was glad the course played the way it did. I was glad to see. It's good. listen as somebody that plays golf. And I'm not good at all. And I understand that. That's why I can have fun because I don't expect to be good, right? But I hate or I like to see the pros do well. Like, But it's not fun for me to see somebody shoot under 20 in four days. I don't like that. That's not enjoyable for me. I want to see them look human. And the Masters, for the most part, made them look human. Like, I could relate. Now, if I played that course, I wouldn't be able to relate. But I'm like watching them from my couch. I'm like, yeah, I could probably do that. I can hit it into the water. I can find the woods. You know what I mean? Oh, you haven't found a fairway today? Me too. It it made them feel human for me. Yeah, what'd you think? I thought Sunday was um, pretty uneventful. Um, Hideki tried to make it interesting there, hitting into the water. Um, but Xander kind of kind of ruined that 30 seconds later when he dumped it into the water. But um, Hideki's caddy flat out sold the show at the end. I mean, that was an all-time moment there with the bow to the course. No doubt. So Hideki wins the tournament, 
and then the caddy steals the show. Like he, he and not on purpose. He's just being respectful as can be, as that as the culture is, right? But he's just so. It, it, he was a storyline. Like Hideki got off the green real quick, go see family. The caddy puts a pin in, bows to the course, and that's the moment. Like that's the master's moment is the caddy. But he deserved that moment, though. Listen, let me just say this. It's a little awkward with me and you sharing a mic because this, is, this isn't what we normally do. And, uh, yeah, so at least we're not talking over each other this week. That's good. Um, yeah, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the caddy, the, the, the master's moment, as you called it, with the caddy bowing to the crowd. I thought that was uh, – I, I, I agree with you. I thought that was the best moment of the whole, the whole four days. Um, overall, I, it was pretty uneventful. I, I, it wasn't anything special. Hideki pretty much uh, – from about midday Saturday on, kind of dominated everything. Um, he didn't have to have a great round Sunday to win it, and he didn't. He had an okay enough round, and, and that won it for him. But, uh, you know, it, it I, I enjoyed it because it's the Masters, and I watched it Saturday all day. Tyler Rolfe came over. We had a good time out here. We, we maybe might have done a little bit of gambling or something. Um, <laughs> and it, it was a good time. We Thanks enjoyed for it. the invite, Joey. I was, uh, I was actually just thinking – that wow, that that would have been that would have been pretty cool to to watch Masters on three different screens. You could watch all, you know. Wow, he constantly tells on himself, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, it would have been, I like hanging out with Joey, and I like I like Rolf, and I like gambling, and I like golf. So. Yeah, he's decent. It sounds like all the things I would like to do. Yeah. You know what's funny is our buddy Trey Lee's sitting in here as well, and you know he politely tried to come in earlier <laughs> while we were recording, and, and Joey scolded him like he was a child. And, and, and Trey was just literally being polite. And then now Trey's like, well, I live 32 seconds a walk away from here. And I also don't get an invite. So, you know, listen, anyone that's listening out there, we have a support group for people that Joey has scorned. We'll shoot you the number at the end. It's a group chat. Um, it's pretty extensive, though. So there's quite a few people in that group. Look, don't take it personal. Um, we've all gotten past that point of, uh, of um, being upset. Wrap this up, man. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> You suck, honestly, basically. At the end of the day, you suck. You suck, Cosan. Here's the worst part about this, because I'm a thousand percent sure Bradford was at your house Saturday. Yes? I'm pretty sure I cooked, yeah. yeah. Oh, you cooked? <laughs> oh, really? Is that so? What'd you cook? Uh, nothing noteworthy. What'd he cook, Brad? Hamburgers. Oh. That's fine. I had Philly cheesesteaks and, and pulled pork, so I don't care about your Well, hamburgers. that sounds better. I wish I could have had some chili. It wasn't better. No, no, no. It, his hamburgers are stupid good. They're really good, but Philly no, cheesesteak, man. Masters. Masters. We're done with the Masters. Let's go to... Uh, no, what? we're not done either. Oh. So I have a question. for. I, no, I got a question for you. Yeah. Right. Is, is part of the reason why it was kind of like ho-hum on the Masters because... I know the answer. It's rhetorical. Because they didn't really have like the big names like... DJ wasn't in it. Tiger wasn't in it. Um, Brooks wasn't in it. And there's tons of others that weren't really in contention. It, do you think, does that have anything to do with why Sunday and, and Saturday and Sunday, for that matter, was kind of lackluster? I think that had a lot to do with it, but I don't know if it's everything because I would have been okay if, if Shoffley and Hideki and Zayla Torres, if they all would have battled and went back and forth Saturday and Sunday, I would have been just as fine with that if it is, as if it was JT and DJ and Brooks and DeChambeau and whoever. I mean, I just want to see, I just want to see drama. No, I think in that part I agree with. I think, and I could be wrong, so feel free to correct me, you or, or uh, Yek, is 
are those guys, is that moment too big for the guys that aren't the headliners? Like the headliners aren't really going to get moved. I don't know. I don't want to say they won't because they won't. They're, they're not – I'm not saying they're not clutch. But, like, the, these unknown guys, Shoffley, Zelatoris, these guys, it, was the moment too big for them to make a run? Like 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 you would see, like, a Tiger do or Justin Johnson or, or guys that can just grab the moment and then seize it and then they don't buckle under the pressure. They don't hit the ball in the water on 16. Yeah, I think you want to watch someone win. And Hideki was three over in his last four holes. So he limped to the finish line and still managed to win. It kind of takes the drama. I think you want to see someone go, you know, birdie on 15, birdie on 16, and, and go win it, not go three over in their last four holes and still manage to win by a stroke. Um, so, yeah, that was that was kind of disappointing. I mean, I watched for entertainment um, and if I have any money on it. But besides that, I mean, I, I watched to see guys go, go win it. Like, I don't watch – to see guys go three over in the last four holes at Augusta and still manage to win the tournament. I agree. It's like the it's like the Super Bowl, and then they're limping to the finish, like you said. That was perfectly put. He didn't. He did his work early, and so he does deserve credit for that. But like on Sunday, nobody really challenged him. Like you know, really challenged him. They weren't able to put the pressure on it and keep it on. So I'm with you. That was kind of like, eh, whatever. Did we have a lead change on Sunday? I don't think we did. Not one. No. Yeah, so I mean, the, when the same guy's in the lead the whole time, it's it's just it's Augusta, so we'll watch kind of like Joey said, but kind of ho hum. Especially when he's not playing good, great golf, right? Like if there's no lead change because the guy's like he's he's birdie, 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 and that's one thing because he's keeping distance, he's he's playing great golf, but he left the door wide open there at the end for somebody to make a run, and he was in the lead group, so he was the last group, but like the guy he was playing was Xander Shoffley. Whatever he's he wasn't able to do it. I don't know if the moment's too big or he just didn't hit. I mean, you know, it's golf, dude. There's the margin for error is so slim. But Xander talked talked after the round about the moment and whatever, and he said he felt like it was just another another shot. He said he just good one. He uh, <laughs> he just, he just he said he he felt like he flushed an eight iron. That's what he was gonna hit. That's what he wanted to hit. He flushed it and it just came up a little short. He said he didn't feel like the moment it had anything to do with the moment. It was just not the right club selection. And and to be fair, that could be true. You know, like <laughs> I don't think people get that letter Kenny reference, bro. Not not right now. But like to be fair, I don't think he I don't think he I just I, I mean he, it could just been a bad swing, right? I mean it could have it's golf. My God, we trust me. If anybody gets it, your boy gets it. Um but I thought overall the Masters was okay. Glad we got it, right? That's Did you a, have any futures out there on that? Uh, yeah, I had quite a few. Like five. None of them won? Uh, no. Just the one, Brooks Kepka. Yeah, I had Brooks um, and Siwoo Kim and uh, Cam Smith. And I doubled down on Brooks. <laughs> Love <laughs> not, it, not right? Great. Chase not great. it, baby. Chase it. Not great. I mean, I'm I'm fully a Brooks guy, even though even though he's a no, I, I love Brooks. I'm, I'm the same way. I, I don't I don't dislike Brooks at all. And then you know when when Chris talked me into doing this last week with the Brooks thing, because I was not in on that. I was like, nah, he's coming off the knee surgery. Oh, that's oh, pause. That's a lie. <laughs> Joey Wynn looked at one tweet and said, "Hey boys, how much money do we got together?" <laughs> yeah. That, that, that said, happened here. Said cash only. What do you have, cash Brad? What do only. you have, how Chris? Much, how much is I was like, I got a little bit in my truck. Well, well, okay, well, I got – no, Joey was getting a pot together to find out how much we could put on a Brooks future. So, I'm not here for that slander. Glad we didn't do that. Oh, my God, thanks. You're welcome. I talked you out of it after five minutes. 
Anyways, let's go to Gator Baseball again. Gator Baseball. Because they beat Florida State. I didn't watch, so so Travis is going to have to to lead the, the the whatever on this one. We'll let Travis. We'll let uh, you know Coach, what, Coach you know Yick. What, you know what Florida needs? Florida needs an edge. Find That's what they an really edge. need. If they could find an edge. They could just find an edge. <laughs> they could probably go on a, a good little streak here, but whatever. It doesn't matter. Coach Jack, will you um, kind of drive the show of how the, how the game went um, two nights ago as we're listening? So we had a game last night, so I caught it in extras. Um, oh, wait, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Per- perfect spot. Um, just saw a walk-off bomb by uh, Kendrick Kalilau, I believe is how you say it. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir, Kalilau. Um, He's a good player. I like Kalilau. He is. He is a good player. And um, it, was, it was an exciting win, probably one they, they really needed kind of be a, a they needed like a, a season changing type win and when you get a walk off over your rival I can kind of spark you a little bit no I do agree um unlike you two I uh, unfortunately watched the entire game start to finish um it was a good baseball game in the sense that it was close the whole game it was just ugly and sloppy I mean at least for as far as Florida State is concerned they had five errors and they were awful errors like just just terrible um the one thing I did I did notice with Florida, oh, with Florida, anyways, is like they played pretty solid defensively and they pitched well, but like the timely hitting, it just wasn't there. I think they were like oh, I think they left seventeen guys in like that sounds like a high number, but I, it maybe it may be wrong. I believe they left seventeen runners in scoring position, um, which is not not ideal. But Florida State was never really in that game. I was texting a couple of buddies and I was like, look, this game should be. 6-2, 7-2 at the minimum. They played better. They deserved to win. So, I mean, you know, it's one of those things. You hate to see it, but Florida State split with them, which is better than they can say for the last 10 or 12 years or so. So, well, whatever. We'll take it. Yeah, I um, – again, I, I, I haven't watched – I did watch a little bit of Saturday's game with, with Florida baseball um, against Tennessee. I don't know why. It just happened to be on my TV, and so I watched a little bit. But – yeah, I don't know. I still don't – I don't have a whole lot of, of read on them because I haven't – and I don't have time to watch them every game anymore anyways. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not boycotting. What I, what I will – yeah, I mean, I understand. I know why. But what I will – and I'm not going to watch unless they play Florida State. But what I will say is, I, um, Yek, you'll have to help me or Joey or Trey, somebody, the pitcher that came in um, in relief of the starter. I can't think of his name. Leftwich, right? He is what ninety five to ninety eight, but he's mid to upper, right? Mid to upper nineties. He he was dealing. Um, I, I knew whenever he was able to throw the slider for a strike, I knew we were in trouble, bad, 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 because he was able to. So uh, I knew as long as that guy was in the game, they weren't getting another run. And the, even the broadcast team at the end was like, they probably should play for one here at the end because they weren't. Force State wasn't getting another one unless, and they barreled a couple up, but. That was kind of fluky. I mean, whatever. It was a good game. It was a good. It was a good win for Florida. It might spark them. I think they have the opportunity to go on a, a little like nine, eight to nine game run here with a couple of favorable series in a row to try and get this thing rolling. So it could be the spark that they needed. Because then I think it's Vanderbilt. Yeah, they have they have uh, they have a couple of winnable winnable series, sweepable series. If we're being honest, on the weekends, um, and then like you said, they go to Vandy after that. Or maybe Vandy comes here. Vandy comes here. Yeah, Vandy comes here. Um, Good luck. Yeah, you said 
that this could be a spark for the team that they needed. Do you think it will be? Do you, I mean, do you think – and what do you think the ultimate problem is with that team right now? Yeah, I think it can be a spark for them. I think it will be. I think the problem with the team, in all honesty, is they got a lot of guys that are draft eligible, and they aren't a team, if that makes sense. So they are kind of playing for themselves. And I've had some announcers and some some opposing coaches just tell me, like, they look in the dugout and they don't see much energy. They don't see guys picking each other up. The talent level is is there. Like, they have the talent to go to Omaha. So maybe that win right there can kind of kind of make them closer and, and kind of gel them a little bit because they have plenty of talent. They just have to figure out, like, hey, we're here. Let's stop worrying about the draft and let's start worrying about winning some baseball games. No, I agree. I think I think with baseball too, it's a little bit it's weird because especially at a program like Florida, you are you you do get the the guys that are absolutely major league bound. Like these guys are going pro for the most part, right? And so it, I, I guess you have to do a good job of identifying guys that love baseball and like love their team in recruiting as well as are also like ungodly talented. So I'm not saying I'm not saying um, O'Sullivan missed at all, but it's like it does appear as if he does have a bit of a selfish group that are about me instead of you can still you can still go pro and also be a great a Gator. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if they write the ship. Baseball's a long season. There's plenty of games left. Um, I hate that. I, I hope I hope that the the walk off job against Florida State in the tenth was not the catalyst <laughs> that sends those boys. Um, well, for Brock's sake, I do, I guess. For Brock, Brock, go get a ring. All right, so let's talk some college football, Chris. The uh, spring game for our team just played Florida State. Uh, my question to you is this. What did you think? Did you have any big takeaways? Because I didn't actually get to watch that. Yeah, so the first takeaway was the ACC network needs to understand what pays the bills. <laughs> and the lacrosse game between Notre Dame and North Carolina, women's lacrosse, I need that. Sh- that, that doesn't need to when it, cut it. It's okay. <laughs> Who hell is watching? Just the people that are involved with those programs. So thirty-three. Okay, they're, there. they're not watching. They're there. Uh, well, their, par- their parents might be watching. Maybe. Okay. So fifteen people. Turn it off. <laughs> That's enough. I'm tired of seeing that. Anyway, so I, after I got to miss, I missed like two or three drives because of that garbage. Wow. No, no. I mean, we we love women's sports, but it just didn't need to be on at the right time. Um. Anyhow, my biggest takeaway was. Honestly, and it's going to sound like I'm being sarcastic, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. I thought it would look like a dumpster fire, and it didn't. They only play like they play like two halves basically, um, but they and they did offense versus defense. They did not split the teams, and I was told the reason they did not split the teams is because if you run out like there's only one and a half good offensive linemen on the whole roster, so if you split that. <laughs> You're looking at about three quarters of one lineman on each team. Not good. You need ten. Yeah. So no, that's why they didn't do that. And they did O versus D. It was, it was fine. Um, McKenzie Milton made a couple of really good throws. Jordan Travis looked okay in a setting that he normally won't look okay in. Like he didn't really get to use his legs because you're sacked if you're touched, basically in that type of setting. Um, but they really didn't look bad. Some young guys made plays. The defense looked like they were had somewhat of a clue. Um, I don't know, man. It was it was encouraging. It wasn't like, hey, we're going to go win nine games because that's not going to happen. But I don't feel like they're going to lose 
more than they're going to win. I think they'll be about 500. So we're going to win more than three. They're going to win more than three. I can I can say that pretty confidently. Well, that's a that's a positive. So like that, honestly, but I did okay. But going into it, I anticipated it to be like a terrible, like absolutely awful, and it, and it wasn't that. There were some. My point is, they have something that they're able to sell. I was afraid going into it with all the prospects and all the kids being there that it was going to look like a, a dumpster fire, and you have nothing to sell leaving. That wasn't the case. So that is a, a pretty big win for Florida State, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge win because me and you had talked previously about the spring game, and you were not very optimistic. I have two questions. I'm going to ask the first one first because the second one doesn't really pertain at all to the spring game. So, yeah. How did the receivers look Saturday? Kind of how they have all, all camp. I mean, they've been plagued with the drops. Like, they, they don't catch the ball well in that receiver. You kind of have to catch the ball. Um, they also don't create a lot of space. And at receiver, you probably want to create a little bit of separation. They don't do that well. So that, that's less than ideal. The thing about it is this, Joey, is that they have two young kids that could go to high school prom in a month uh, or in a couple weeks. They're, they're on campus now. They probably had the two best games. Um, the best receiver probably on the team isn't there yet. He's in New Orleans. He's not an early enroll. He'll be a true freshman. He'll start next year. And then the other one is a transfer from Kansas. So I think their one and two receivers are not on campus right now. I hope. Because what they have that minus the young guys is bad. They've been bad. It's not like it's not. This isn't anything new. They've been bad. Um, so you combine that with the offensive line that can't protect. You have receivers that can't get open. That, that makes every quarterback look terrible. So, you know, they, to answer your question, the, the older guys, they did what they've done since they've been there. They they don't get open. They don't catch the ball. The younger cats, the freshmen, eighteen year olds, seventeen year olds, they look better. I mean, they 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 caught a couple of touchdown passes, a couple of contested catches. They looked okay. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much what I was going for. I figured that was the case. I just wanted to make sure. Um, last thing about Florida State football is uh, I read something the other day that was a little bit intriguing. What? I need you to explain it to me a little bit more in detail, though. They have some stuff going on off the field right now, yeah? Yes, sir. So, I think I think the biggest thing – it's a program called Apex, and basically it's their, like, entrepreneurship type of class. So, you can take two courses or two, two credit hours – I'm sorry, two courses at Florida State, four credit hours, that are about building your brand, essentially. Um, like, social media type of – building your brand and so now what Florida State has done is they launched a program called Apex that kind of coincides and works and it's not great for radio or for podcasts so we won't spend a terrible amount of time on it but it is they're the first ones right now so far with you know because the governor is all for it um with the national like the name image and likeness which is coming down the pipe this year they're all on board and they've like dove all in they dropped a cool video and I'll show it to you in a minute. I know you're a Gator fan, but I think you'll still be able to appreciate how this image or this message will be received by other, you know, other high school kids. Because then, I mean, it's it really is well done. It really is pretty cool. Um, so they, they're the first ones that I've seen so far to come up and kind of embrace this name, image, and likeness. Like, hey, come here. We can help you grow your brand. And then I like saw one. They're sending out graphics of guys in like Forbes magazine. And but then the other one I saw the other day was. Uh, don't be the entrepreneur, but be the CEO or something like that. But it, but it's 
I know it sounds trivial to us as as adults, but the kids and stuff. I mean, you're talking about 17, 18 year old, extremely impressionable kids. I think it's a good look. It's not a bad look. No matter what, it's not a bad look. Um, I think they're just ahead of the curve there. And then most recently, most recently they announced their football only facility, which they're kind of behind on for sure on that. But at least it's announced. They're going to begin on that, I believe, within the calendar year. So, you know, it, it appears as if they just got to go win a couple of football games. At the very end of the day, you have to win. If they win a couple of football games, I think things are set up for them to have a little bit of success moving forward. Okay, well, that's enough Florida State. I got to hear some positive things. Um, uh, Travis, while we got you here, do you have any um, uh, insight on not just Florida, but Florida State, anything you want to say? Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on this for Chris. I'll, I'll give him a little compliment. That that visitor list that uh, Mike was able to pull for the spring game was was pretty impressive. And I know people like to downplay it, but you can't get them to commit unless you get them on campus. So that's step one. Um, he had a lot of dudes there. Yeah, for sure. And I'm glad you brought that up. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> but no, they really did. And it is. It seems silly to talk about it, but like you said, you don't get any of those kids to sign or commit if you don't get them on campus. So, like, you know, you, you have your trolls that are like, oh, yeah, they got them on campus just to whiff on them. Okay, I mean, that might be true, but they're going to whiff on them if they don't get on campus. So, I mean, and they did. They were able to make a couple impressions on some kids. And so we'll see if that pays off. But, you know, like we talked about off air, ultimately, at the end of the day, they have to win. But if they don't ever get them on campus, then it's irrelevant. It doesn't it don't matter how much you win. Exactly. And, you know, if if, they, if they're able to win, you know, say seven, definitely eight games, I think that he can start turning the program around quickly because he's going to pull a pretty good class. Now, if uh, we talk, it reminds me of Tennessee, though, a little bit with the uh, kind of the hype the Vols were getting last year when they were they were getting a bunch of commits in, in, in a few days and then they turn around and go four and eight or five and seven and they had a bunch of decommitments but it's going to be the product that he puts on the field who the vols sit your ass down tennessee <laughs> uh, joey wanted to say that so bad. go ahead man you thank you that. thank you for that thank you for that setup there because i haven't said it in about a month and it's been really it's been really eating at me I had, there's no reason to because they're completely irrelevant in all aspects of life so life Life, except Knoxville is a freaking beautiful place, man. And they just took two out of three from Gator baseball. Whatever. <laughs> Anyhow, but um, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from with the Tennessee thing. Florida State really does have the juice right now. I hope they don't fall off the way Tennessee fell off. Um, but Florida. So I know they're they're like two weeks out of spring ball right now. What are um? Because I know you follow them really really closely. What are your takeaways or, or anything you're looking forward to going into the season since spring ball's wrapped up? Yeah, I think we're going to see a completely different offense this year. It's going to be more read option, run-based type offense because um, the running back room is absolutely loaded. The quarterback room is absolutely loaded. Um, and Emory's not going to be the type of passer that, that Kyle Trask was. So – Hold on. I'm interested. Let, let me stop you right there. Does Anthony Richardson have a chance at this or no? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Anthony Richardson. I, I know we've talked. Like, maybe the starter by midseason. Yeah. I, I know we've talked about this, but I couldn't remember which side of the fence you were on on that. And I'm with you. I, I think I think Anthony Richardson's probably the better quarterback of the two. But he should be. And that's all. I don't have. I don't, this will be uh, a Joey and uh, Yet show here. <laughs> this next little segment. 
and I'll chime in when I when I need to. But Anthony Richardson is a bad man, and I'm, I have never been overwhelmed by Emory. It's not so much that Richardson's, you know, is five star, star studded guy. He's a freak athlete. He can run. He can throw. Dan Mullen does. He's done a lot less, or a lot more, I should say, with a lot less. So if I'm a Gator fan, I'm so excited at the prospect of having Anthony Richardson's ability and Dan Mullen calling the plays. Emory's underwhelmed me personally. Yeah, I don't think we have to worry about quarterback as long as Dan Mullen is the coach at the University of Florida. I agree with that. Now, we might have to worry about recruiting a little bit, but whoever we put back there at quarterback, he's going to produce. Yeah. Um, but I think Florida's a eight-win team this year, honestly, just because of the schedule. You look at Alabama, you look at Georgia, and you got LSU on the road. You're going to be underdogs in all three of those games. So you got to win the rest to go nine and three. Yes, sir. I'm here for that. I love that. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I w- I'm the eternal pessimist when it comes to Florida football, though. Yes, that's true. I- I've gathered that already. Um, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think, Joey? It's, we're a long ways off from that, but we don't lose to Georgia this year. I mean, I like that prediction. I, here, here's my concern. you got to be good up the middle on defense, just like, just like in baseball. You need your catcher, your shortstop, your center fielder to be really good. Florida's going to be young at defensive tackle. They're going to be young at safety. And I haven't seen anything out of the linebacker room right now that excites me, but if, unless they're willing to finally put Tyrone Hopper on the field. By all accounts, the dude had a freaking unbelievable spring. Everybody has said that. Everybody, Everything that I've read said he was a machine. But Yeah, hopefully he gets on the field. I know, right. they're, I know they're excited about the young kid Jason Marshall at corner. Mm-hmm. I expect him to start opposite of Kyrie. Yep. Um, but I think Florida's going to score. I like what they got in the receiver room, even though they lost – a Everybody. bunch of talent at wide receiver. It just feels like one of those things where Billy Gonzalez is gonna is gonna produce wide receivers the same way Dan Mullen develops quarterbacks. So I think we'll score. I'm looking to see a jump from the defense. Hmm. <laughs> where does that start at? Yeah, I mean it starts at defensive coordinator. <laughs> um, I'm not the Grantham hater. Everyone else is. I think college football. I think defense has become a relative term, and he runs a system. That is, you need turnovers and negative plays. Well, that's how you win college football games these days. You're going to give up points to good teams. I agree. I agree with that part of it. And I don't. I'm not necessarily a let's fire Grantham. Now. No, I am. No, that's a lie. No, no, I am. But now that he's there, I'm not. I'm, I mean, he's had successful seasons previously I, I, in different areas. I, at Florida, he was successful. At Mississippi State, he was successful in the one year. At Louisville, he was successful. At Georgia, he was successful. At times. Um, so, I mean, he's had success. It's not that he can't do it. And I'm with you. you you got to have turnovers and negative plays. But I just – I don't know that this defense has the ability to create turnovers or negative plays. So, let me let me jump in here. So, first of all, we call turnovers takeaways on defense because you didn't turn that over. We took that from you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anyways, <laughs> um, and then the second part is this. I was – I was privileged to get to look at some how long or like practice tape, um, teaching tape from C Rob, Christian Robinson, the, your linebacker coach now. How long has David Reese and uh, Ventrell Miller been gone? Is it one year? Were they there last year? Ventrell Miller's still there. Ventrell will be back next year. Okay, he's I still there. To start a middle linebacker. But Reese has been two years removed. Uh, yeah, this, this will be his second year not playing. Coming up, right? Last year he was not on the team. Right. 
I, so if you're watching those guys in practice, it's un, and, and I'll have to I'll have to find a way to let you see this, Joey. And and yet, but these guys, they're so good with what they do because they're so intelligent. Like um, I talked to somebody that coached with and kind of David Reese, whatever, very close to that situation. He said the dude had a photographic memory. He could go over whatever was new that day, ask three different questions, and then was done. Like, I got it. It's over. It doesn't matter. Like, the game plan is locked in. And so, but, but I talked to you about this, Joey. I, when I watch him go through, like, drills and practice, and I'm like, okay, he's not, he's not a freak. He's not extremely explosive. But he was so smart. He was always in the right place. And so, to your point, Yek, about the being strong up the middle, I think that's haunted Florida's defense here at, in, in most recent years. They haven't had – they have the dominant edge guys. My God, Grenard and Zuniga and those guys, you can't block them. That, that's, 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 that cannot be debated. But I think the issue is up the middle, like the tackles. There's a question mark there for me if I'm a Gator fan. And then the inside guys um, and then the safeties. Like if they get that stuff shored up, oh, yeah, then, then, then it's scary because, like you said, Jason Marshall – I bet he does start. He's a freak. I mean, he is an absolute lockdown. It don't matter whether he's playing man or zone. It doesn't matter. He's a coach's dream because he can take a receiver away or he can take a third away. It doesn't – whatever you ask him to do, he's doing that. So, I agree with you. But I think the question mark is up the middle because at least for the last year or so, it, it has appeared as just an outside fan, not a fan that, that you guys are, that – You've been able to run the ball directly at Florida and have success, which then opens up everything else. So I think if they get that shirt up, I, then they are scary because I do think – I agree. I think they do score. I think offense drops a little bit. Trask, what he did – What he did for that offense – and Mullen deserves a lot of credit because he put him in like situations and, and uh, opportunities to have success. But I, I don't – I'm not saying – that you guys might be spoiled right now, but what that guy did, man, I don't know how easily how easily that can be duplicated by anyone, any coach for that for that matter. That boy was a killer, yes sir. And he didn't look like it coming out of the tunnel, but that boy was a killer right there. And he had that he had that killer mentality. And they're, I mean, at the end of the season, they're dropping eight most times, and he's just threading the needle. Yeah. But I, I, I will say this about the safety. I'm excited for new. Yeah, and Dan Mullen is all always, if you look at Mississippi State, and he plays seniority. So I, I was about tired of watching Donovan Steiner get burnt back there. So give me some new blood back there, and let's just see what happens. I mean, I'm excited for Trevez and Rashad Torrance to get their shot. It can't be worse, in my opinion. Can't be. It's impossible to be worse. So let's see what we got. And the, the young dudes to get in there at linebacker, they're gonna have a lot of young defensive tackles, even though they got the grad transfers that from what I've heard are are just great locker room type guys. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the price is on that, but I know it's valuable. I agree. And I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, of course. You I mean you know this as a coach, but if you can create a, a solid locker room, it's almost priceless at that point. So yeah, so my, my, my final take here on Dan Mullen is the floor is very high, but I don't know that the ceiling is very high. I feel you. So I feel like Dan Mullen is always going to win between eight and ten games, which is good. There's only two, three programs in America you can pencil in for 11, 12 wins. So not that that's anything to knock, but when do Florida fans start to get tired of that? If I know that fan base, it ain't going to be long. No, I mean, 
It's it's definitely not going to be long. But they'd be wrong for that. Every everybody says he's the Mark Rick of Mark Rick of Florida. Trey just said it just now, um, off in the distance over there. I heard him. Uh, I, I don't. I, I'm I'm not as negatively sold on Dan Mullen as a lot are. I, I think that he has the ability and the potential to to really turn it around and and be great. But he's got to recruit better. That's the, at, at the end of the day, if you don't recruit better. If you're not recruiting like a top five team, you're not going to be a top five team. That's just the way it is. And so he he's got to he's got to surround himself better um, with better recruiters. And, and if that happens, then I think Florida can take that next step. And until that happens, it's going to be very tough to take that step. Um, he has to start having the final say on who they are allowed to take oh and who God. they aren't allowed to take. He that's, does now. That's a good start, though. He does now. So is that is that Dan saying like the buck stops with me? Yes. All right, enough about uh, all that stuff. Let's get to uh, let's get to why we're here tonight. Um, we have uh, Travis Yeckering in the house, head coach at Santa Fe High School. Currently, he's done a uh, that was me, not Travis. Uh, he's done a, he's done a lot of lot of stuff. So I'm gonna let him introduce himself and kind of tell tell about you know where he played, where he's coached, and how he got to Santa Fe High School to be the head coach there. Yeah. Um, first off, appreciate you guys having me tonight. Um, love love the pod. Big fan. So kind of a kind of an honor to be on tonight. So I appreciate it. Appreciate um, those kind words, buddy. Yeah. So right out of college, um, became an assistant at Santa Fe College. Was there for five years. Um, worked under Johnny Wiggs. I guess I can back up. I played at Buholtz. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, when I was younger, and you guys won't believe this, I played with uh, Chris, and he was a very good baseball player. I know. You, like I said, you're probably not going to believe that. But <laughs> So, listen, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because we do need to discuss some of the hardballer tournaments that we used to go to together. But I'm going to let you finish introducing yourself. And then there's some stuff that we – yeah, we'll, we'll talk about some of it. We'll talk about some of it. But, but carry on. I appreciate that. Thank you. Carry on. Yeah, we had an absolute squad in the travel ball days. I know everyone says that, though. But, yeah, I played at uh, – I played at Buholtz. Played at Santa Fe College, then went on and uh, got my degrees from the University of Florida. Became an assistant at Santa Fe College for five years, and now I'm in my second year as a head coach at Santa Fe High School. Well, one and a half, kind of. Right, so Santa Fe, you're at, so you're at Santa Fe High School now. You coach with um, our good buddy that we know, J.T. Clark, right? Yeah, and, and I'll say this. Like, right now, we wouldn't be where we are without JT Clark being involved in the program. That dude is – is he means so much to the program. Um, I wouldn't survive without him around. So, I'm, I'm thankful that when I asked him to, to come, come along, he said yes. And he's been a gigantic part of our success. Yeah, for sure. I think pretty much everyone that knows him – sentiment has the exact same sentiment he's he's extremely valuable in whatever role he's in so yeah i don't i don't like jt no i i mean i don't like him i don't like him but but yeah i mean I, but what he's saying isn't wrong anyhow um so joey do you want to i'm gonna I'm kind of like bounce this off of, do you want to go like let's go talk about his high school and then we'll kind of like timeline this thing so you played at buholtz as you mentioned um what was your fate? I well, I know what position you. I personally know what position you played. What position did you play? And then, in addition to that, would you tell us like 
one of your favorite moments as a player, and I know you probably have a few, so if you have a few, you can share that, but go ahead and let the, let the sitters know. They're interested. Yeah, so I played, I played middle infield, I thought, until I went to college at Santa Fe College. Then, then I turned into a left fielder real quick. Uh, but, no, nah, position versatility is huge. Um, so my favorite moment easily is playing in the Junior College World Series Played in the national championship game at Santa Fe College against Howard College, who at the time was like 62-1. and one. Um, They set the record for, for most wins in a junior college. And playing in front of uh, 10,000 people at the JUCO World Series, when if you don't know much about JUCO, you're used to playing in front of about 50 people, um, <laughs> was, uh, was pretty special. And um, winning the state championship was incredible um winning the juco state championship is no joke in florida um yes, sir. so when we got to the world series we knew coming out of florida we'd have a good shot and um sure enough we just kind of kept the momentum and and got to play in the national championship game that's uh yeah that's pretty freaking cool man like you said juco baseball in florida is different it's not it's it's not typical like when people think JUCO, they're like, eh, lower tier, whatever. It, no, sir, it is not like that, especially in the state of Florida. But JUCO baseball is good pretty much everywhere you go. Yeah, and- it's it's silly. So we played Chipola in the state championship game that year. Luckily for us, in the semifinals, Chipola threw a guy by the name of Patrick Corbin. Yeah, yeah, he was pretty good. Yeah, I think you guys might know who that is. Uh, he just got paid quite a bit of money to throw a baseball. <laughs> um, he threw a uh, complete game shutty with like 14 Ks, and uh, we got to dodge him in the championship game. So we were able to um, to win a win a close game in the state championship game against Chipola and, and go play in the college world in the JUCO college world series. Did you uh, did you have some? Did you have a stat line in that game? I'm just curious. In the Chipola State Championship game, yeah, I did. I had a, a RBI single in like the ninth off a of big leaguer. No big deal. Yeah, <laughs> Chipola, See, Chipola had a bunch of big leaguers. I'll tell you that. I, well, when you said we dodged Corbin, I was like, yeah, I'm sure you saw another big leaguer that night too, though. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, we saw David Buchanan who uh, pitched in the big leagues with the Phillies, uh, 94 to 96. And just, uh, just another just, day at the park. Just threw my bat out there and it rolled one past the shortstop. <laughs> Counts the same. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, you played you played at Santa Fe, and then uh, you started coaching at Santa Fe. What got you into coaching? Like, what made you say, I want to start coaching baseball? Um, the opportunity to, to impact lives was huge for me, but also just my competitive nature. I wanted, to, I wanted a job where I could compete every single day, and that's just how I grew up. I played every sport pretty much growing up. Um, until I got to high school, then I cut it down to basketball and, and baseball. But it just gave me a chance to, to have a winner and loser at something. And, and I know that's not everything, but to me, that's, that's kind of what, what makes me tick. So that's what coaching brought to me. And just the ability to, to see kids mature is, is truly special. And the relationships that you build are something that you remember, you know, for the rest of your lives. And a combination of, of being able to impact lives and, and being able to compete on a daily basis is what got me into coaching. Yeah, hundred percent. That's people ask me all the time, the same thing. Like, why are you back coaching again? And it's the same answer. Like I'm extremely competitive. I want to compete, but at the same time, impacting lives, like it, it, you can't, you can't say enough about that. It's, it's, it's something that I feel like 
I don't know, you're born to do almost, if, if that makes sense. And Chris, I know Chris is the same way. Like, he loves it. It's, it's a passion of his. Like, he wants to do that. Yeah, no, it's like one of those things that as adults, you try and find, like, your fit in, in today's world. And today's world is so challenging for, for young people, but it is challenging for adults, too, to try and find out, like, where your value is and where your worth is and, and what you should and shouldn't be doing. And so, like, for a while there, me personally, I wouldn't chase some things that wasn't coaching. It wasn't, uh, you know, helping young people. But I found myself right back in it. Like, to you, like, this is silly. And then I, I have a question about the hardballers because I don't want to get too far removed from that because we didn't need to discuss that in a minute. But, no, this. so I was – the other evening I was playing – so we have, like, a like a Alexa, like an Amazon little Echo thing. We can play, like, word games on that, like quizzes and, like, word games. But I was playing with some people – and they're my family, so I'm not going to say it. But, like, they weren't playing to win. Like, it was so-and-so's question, but people were helping so-and-so on that question. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm out. Like, I don't want to play anymore. There's not a winner and a loser. Like, to your point, I, and that's just in my own living, oh, my freaking living room, to say what animal starts with the letter K. Don't, yeah, but that was the first one. But once it's used, you can't go back. But anyways, my point is, like, there's a winner and a loser, and that's why – and that's kind of how I take as well. Like that's life is that way. There is a winner and a loser, whether you want to accept it or not, there is somebody that wins and there is somebody that loses. And if you lose, it's okay. Come back and figure out how to get better. And so like, I totally, I can, that resonates with me and, and Joey and all of our listeners for the most part is there is a winner and a loser. And it's okay. If you are the loser at that time, fix it, figure it out and get better. And so I'm with you. It, it, it like almost like it's always like a magnet like it draws you back to help young people but i like to compete it doesn't matter what whether it's a damn alexa amazon game or whatever or a baseball game or football game i want to th there needs to be a winner and a loser and i'm okay with that if I, I i totally agree and i think people have to embrace that you we can't run a, you can't shy away from that you can't run away from competition and adversity embrace it accept it and let's keep it moving um so i totally agree with everything you just said and and it makes perfect sense to me and 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 i know joey is in the exact same boat i need to know about this uh hardballers question so i don't really necessarily have like a specific question but so like he he alluded to it a little bit we played together out of a team based out of um out of gainesville we we practiced at O'Call, right then we practice O'Call. um Kevin Maris was our head coach, and then there's an assistant coach too. But it was like, you know, every every Little League team, every all-star team, every travel ball team, like we were loaded. No, we, we, we were actually loaded. Like it was crazy. I'll let you speak on it a little bit. But we played on the same travel ball team when I guess 17, 18 years old in, in, that, in that age range, junior, senior in high school, played on the same travel ball, travel ball team. Man, that, that was I was the worst player on that team. So that was when I knew I was like, I better start looking into coaching. Because <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I think me and me and Yek were probably there at the bottom. Like I didn't get starter reps either. So so I I can relate. I was like, these guys are way better than I am. So I better figure out something quick here. Um, but no, that that team was. Um, had a big leaguer on it. Uh, had multiple multiple Division One commits. Um, that travel ball, and I know some high school coaches are against it. I think travel ball and high school baseball, if you use them for what they are supposed to be used for, they both have their purpose. Um, was so much fun. 
um, playing with your friends from different high schools and, and playing with a bunch of other top talent, that was just a blast. And we had a bunch of guys on there that were just, you know, we were from little old Gainesville and we'd walk in and, and you know, we may not have won every tournament. We'd scare the hell out of you. Yeah. And uh, we had a bunch of competitors and, and that's a team that, that can win a bunch of games. Yeah, my I think like my moment to to your point, it's like you said little old Gainesville, like we're even from even smaller Lake City. And so but like to your point, it was just a bunch of guys that competed. It didn't I didn't it we didn't care where you were committed or, or what scouts were talking to you when you got done off the bump or whatever. I, I think there was like maybe a bit of ignorance to it, but we were ready to compete. Like you have to show me. Like and we went to Vero. I know we went to Vero and and we played over our heads. And but you know we had guys. I'm not gonna you know Tyler Hold and and Mike Miranda and all these guys that went on and and did things. And there was other big leaguer. It was just uh, it was crazy. It was crazy. But the what it boiled down to was, yeah, we were playing at Dodger Town. I like got a at a big league AAA park. But we 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 wanted to compete. It didn't matter who was on the other side. It didn't matter at all. We were like a bunch of hillbillies to them, and it didn't. We just wanted to play baseball. Yeah, we we always felt like that we belonged. And I know, like like we went to Vero, we went to Atlanta, and that that dude Tyler Holt was he was kind of our spark. He he is a fearless cat right there now, and um, he kind of was like. Y'all boys better not be scared because I ain't scared of any of these fools. Yeah. And uh, we kind of took that and, like, we – they're like, who is this Florida hardballers team? And it's like yeah. we just had – you know, we had depth and we had dudes that were absolutely fearless and that could take you a long way, you know. We didn't have a bunch of uh, the Florida and Florida State commits, but we, we had a few and then we surrounded them with guys that just – we're baseball players, not mm-hmm. not showcase players. And there's a big difference in those two. That's a fact. I think it's a, a good point you brought earlier. Like, I know some high school coaches and, and players, they get mixed up on, like, travel ball in the summer. I think it was the best thing for me, and, I, and maybe for you as well. It was like it showed me, it opened my eyes to, oh, this is the level that I should be trying to play at. And, like, fortunately, we were surrounded by – it wasn't – there wasn't a lot of me guys. I mean, obviously – like. We're on that stage. If you play well on that stage, you're going to get yours. But we were trying to like kind of put on for where we were from. Like we were, we had it was pride in how we played. And like Tyler Holt, it's funny you mentioned him because he was that guy. He was like the the alpha dog, if you will. And he wasn't the biggest or whatever, but like he was the guy that was like, listen, it don't matter. I, we don't. I don't give a damn who's on over there. Like let's. They put on their their stuff the same way I put on mine and. And we just played ball. And so I, I have a funny T. Holt story. <laughs> funny T. Holt story. So I'll, I'll be real uh, vague with this. So I'm at, what's the, the restaurant uh, establishment across from Ben Hill Griffin? I, I'm almost certain it was called Swamp. I don't yeah, think it's yeah. there anymore. Let, let, me, let me, so Holt was a three-time All-American at Florida State. Yeah, please. Thank He's one you. of my best friends. Ended up being drafted by the Reds in the 10th round. And ended up playing three years in the big leagues. And that kid is 5'10", 175 pounds. You won't find anyone that works harder than that kid right there. Or, a- or believed he was Mike Trout. <laughs> 100%. That's the, perfect, that's the perfect painting that picture of T-Holt. So, he was also crazy as hell. And goofy as hell, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, anyways. So, he's crazy. I, but I love him. And he's the guy that you hate if he's on the other team. 
But if he's on your team, you freaking love him. And so he, yeah, I, and for the longest time, he was on GHS's team. So I didn't care for him. But then when I, I got to know him and play for him, I was like, or play with him, I was like, oh, yeah, I like this guy. So anyways, I'm, this has been years. I haven't seen him in, it had probably been like four or five years. So we're at the Swamp. I'm with my girlfriend at the time who's from Gainesville. I'm not really from Gainesville, so I, I knew people, but I was just kind of like, I'm with her at this point. I'm just kind of, so I use the restroom. I go to the bathroom. I'm minding my own business. Somebody comes in and taps me on the shoulder while I'm at the urinal. I'm at, I'm, listen, guys, gentlemen, I'm, in, I'm, I'm, at, I'm using the restroom. I'm pissing. Taps me on the shoulder. I turn around and I, I, I said, you know, F-bomb or whatever. Who, who the F are you? And it's T. Holt with his long curly hair. He has a shirt, long sleeve shirt, like tied around his waist. I had to finish using the restroom, but then it's awkward because I'm like, dude, I love you. I haven't seen you in five years. I have to hug you in this restroom right now. <laughs> so, so I daff him up, having, having whatever, daff him up. And, and it was just, that's just how he was though. He had, he was already in the, he was already in the like big time. Like he was, I think he was in double or triple A or something like that. He may have even had been in the show at that point, but he was back home. I was, I was nobody. I, I, I didn't go to college or anything. He like just daps me up. Like he's just just a genuine dude, and I think that's cool. In addition to playing good baseball and learning, and but the, the like the friendships and the relationships that you are able to to generate and cultivate in that setting is is like lifelong. Like I I never in a million years thought he would have went out of his way to find me in the, in the bathroom and like say hey or whatever. But anyways, long story short, we end up hugging each other in the bathroom, and people looked at us weird and. Whatever it was, but it was all good. It just speaks to to who he was, like as a, as a person too. Yeah, no, I I think you bring up a good point about it. we weren't like uh like the 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 good travel team like Evo Shield Canes. They they fly kids in from from everywhere. Like the thing that made our team special was we're still all friends. Or like if we see each other, we'll at least recognize each other and 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 give each other a hug. And I think that's what made us good. Is like we were all we were all from Gainesville or, or right outside Gainesville. Mm-hmm. Whereas nowadays it's like, well, let's fly this kid in, or, or or let's let's bring this kid in from from somewhere else just to throw four innings and let him go home. It's like, no, we didn't have POs. Mm-mm. Like Mm-mm. our POs were were playing shortstop in, in a doubleheader the next day. Yeah. So like we we were grinding out there, and I think we respected each other for that. Yeah, for sure. No, it it absolutely has carried over, and like here we are now. I never would have thought back then. You'd be uh, one of our guests on our like one of our first guests in our our little series here on the podcast. So it's pretty cool. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Now, one question I do have for you is like the game of baseball changes, right? And so my question is, what's changed in baseball since you played? Because I'm out of coaching, so it's been a while since I've really dug in and coached ball. Like, what's one thing that's changed in, in baseball? How the availability of information and how quick you can get it, um, good and bad. So you know, I would have loved. <laughs> I'm gonna kind of date date me and Chris here. We didn't we didn't have camera phones or or they were just they were just starting barely. So if I could have just taken a video of my swing and and watched it back, that would have been awesome for me. But we just relied on feel a lot. Um, but also at the same time, I think it's a negative. And I, I'll touch on this a little bit going forward, but now you got so much social. We didn't have social media either. So, like, we didn't have all the information 
that everyone has. And some of it's good. Like, I would love to have known what my exit velo is, what, you know, spin rate, all that stuff. That that stuff's important, and, and it does matter, and it, it, is, it is a useful tool. But at the same time, social media can be, if you use it the wrong way, it can be kind of the death of you um, as far as ego and... Um, kind of thinking you have it made and I think that information is 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 good and bad yeah I definitely agree with that um and, and the social media part of it I'm I'm personally glad that when I played which I'm a little older than both of you two but Sorry. <clears throat> anyways there was there, like social media wasn't it I don't know if I could handle social media like I'm not sure if I'm smart enough to not say something stupid on social media as a 17 year old that won't get me in trouble two years from now you know what I mean like I, I, I can't imagine what these kids go through in that regard like I, I can't yeah it's tough I mean I know we're talking about baseball right now but could you imagine being like a big-time college football recruit and you're 17 years old and you have to deal with all these fan bases tweeting at you every single day and and having to uh kind of be professional about about your recruitment i mean they don't have it easy no um, at, at all. all they yeah. don't um and i'll be the first one to tell you that but um at the same time if you, if you use it the right way it can be extremely i i've, I've networked extremely well through social media now True. i don't know if i could have done that as a player but <laughs> i will say i will say this we sign guys at santa fe college based off twitter videos so that can get your name out there in a positive way too. So I don't want to knock social media too much, but just understand that, that how you use it matters. Right. Yeah. I'm with you on that. That's, that's pretty solid. Um, kind of, I guess maybe possibly could be along those same lines. What's the greatest challenge with coaching kids today? The instant gratification culture. Yes, sir. Because of the, the, because of all the access to that, you have a hard time convincing them that the process matters. Absolutely. So, God, that was perfect. <laughs> so I was just I was just talking today about how you know a, a a a good result doesn't necessarily mean a good decision, and a bad result doesn't necessarily mean a bad decision. And if you can come to grips with that, you can have conviction that that what you believe in will work long term. Right. And that's extremely important. Um, they want they want now. They want I need to hit a home run my next at bat, or I need an offer right now. It's like, no, it doesn't work like that. We got to put in the work. We got to put in the time. And over time, you'll see changes. You know, I, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty big into analytics, but the percentages are the percentages for a reason. They work over time. <laughs> All right. That doesn't mean like if something's 80%, that means two of the times it's not going to work. But I'll take that eight out of 10 chance any day of the week. So... For me, it's just getting them to believe in, you know, they, they, they go 0 for 3 with a strikeout and probably even two hard hit balls and they want to change their stance or they want a different type of BP. It's like, no, let's just keep doing, let's evaluate what we're doing. And if what we're doing is right, let's just keep doing it and trust it. Absolutely. 100%. I, I use the word, uh, don't be so result driven. Like, like everybody is so result driven right now. Sometimes some, like you said, sometimes you hit the ball hard and you get out. That's, that's part of the game of baseball. Baseball is a game that's designed to make you fail anyways. So when you do something right and it doesn't, it's not successful. So what? Let's move on, figure out, like you said, we'll, we'll evaluate it and then we'll go from there. 
it's amazing to me though. I'm with you. Like the re- the results are so driven into people's heads that like they have to be perfect right now, and it just it's not realistic. Absolutely, and and, and as a coach, if, if I make a good decision and we get a bad result out of it, if I look back after the game and think. I think I made the right call there. I can sleep a lot better at night. And I'm not worried about it because I think over time, that result is going to pay off for me. And at the same time, if I make a bad decision and it works out, I need to evaluate making that decision. Just because it worked out, that doesn't mean I made the right call in that situation. 100%. I agree with that as well. Yeah, that's gold. Man, that was gold. If, if there's any young people or any adult or any person listening, that right there was gold. Run that run that back and if you if you get in a tough spot. Um let's see here. The other thing I was we were curious about too though, Yek, was um I know you got into coaching for, for all the right reasons. What was your like most rewarding or, or your favorite moment um as a coach? So I'll touch on like a specific moment and then I'll I'll touch on kind of a, a, a vague thought about that so as a coach at santa fe college watching guys i recruited win a state championship so i I went to the junior college world series as a player and a coach and that was easily easily my favorite moment was going back to grand junction colorado as a coach um as far as like kind of vague winning recruiting battles is really fun um (laughs) and, and 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 that's the competitor in you wanting to win but it also like that family and kid trust you mm-hmm. and and that's a special feeling mm-hmm. to, to be able to convince them that like you're going to take care of them for for two years at the junior college level um and and them you know commit to your program is is it that's a big feeling and it, it it's really cool and like recruiting is is competitive um even in juco baseball um so that's that was really fun but the one the kind of the vague thought on like the best part of coaching is like watching something you do in practice that you work on a lot translate into the game setting. That's probably my favorite thing. Like watching a kid go into the cage for hours after practice and then he gets a shot finally and goes two for three. And it's like, I always tell our guys, like, it's not an accident. Like there's no accidents. Like he worked for that. hundred percent. I love that. I freaking love that response. Um, no, yeah. Listen, I, I want to touch on that quick because I know we're getting a little long, but that is so. As a coach, and I, and we have a ton of coach listeners, every single one of them would agree. And I don't think we could art, articulate it as well as how you just put it. It can't be. That is probably like Joey. I know you agree. One of the best moments, and because it's different kids, different moments, different. But when when you watch a kid, what Coach Yek just said grind and work and wait and then when they get rewarded for all the work it kind of puts a counter to all the instant gratification you're like like you said that wasn't an accident that's exactly how this thing works you put in the work and you get paid like we 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 talk about all the time i tell my, my linebackers or whatever or baseball players it doesn't matter the work you put into the piggy bank is the work that's in the bank you can't reach your hand if you don't put anything into the bank. You can't reach your hand in there and take something out when you need it. Fill it up, and then that way when it's time, you can reach down there, you've put the work in, and you can pull something out. And, and that is, you're right, that is the most rewarding thing as a coach is, is when a kid buys into that and they do get it, and then they get rewarded for the work that they've already paid in based off of your trust or, or their trust in you to coach that work, I'm going to work. Yeah, absolutely. 
um, no matter whether it's like a team thing or an individual thing, that payoff is special. And it's like something, you know, if we, we're working on base running in practice and we get a great read on something, it's like, all right, well, it kind of helps them buy in too. It's like, we're, well, we're doing this for a reason and it's going to help us win games. And the, and, the, and, the, and the individual standpoint, it's like, I see you working hard. Just keep doing it. Just put your head down and go to work every single day. And you're going to be – like, we have a sophomore. He didn't start. Never complained. One time. We had, you know, an injury. He gets in there. He's been a starter ever since. And that kid, he goes to the cages before and after practice. And like I said, it's it's not an accident. Like, he gets rewarded for the money he puts in the bank. I think that's a great analogy. I absolutely love the piggy bank analogy. That's that's excellent. It's perfect, too. It's, and it makes so much sense. Um, hey, real quick. I, is there a chance that maybe coming up in the next month or two that you might have a, uh, a new favorite moment as a coach? Just asking. Uh, <laughs> I hope so. We're playing really good baseball right now. I'm, I'm proud of this group. Um, I'd love to go on a, on a deep run. We have a tough district. We have a tough road. But I got a good group. I got a really good left-handed arm. And I'm gonna ride him as as long as uh, he'll take me, and I think he can. I think he can take me a pretty pretty good way. So, uh, but I got I got nine tough outs, and I got I got a few dudes that that can throw it on the bump. So we'll see. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited. That's all I'll say for right now. That's understandable. Hey, what's your record right now? What's Santa Fe's record right we now? We didn't talk about it. I think we're seventeen and two. <laughs> he said, "I think like he doesn't know." He, Santa Fe High School is seventeen and two. You've lost to Clay High School, right, out of uh, out of Jacksonville, <laughs> in a in a fourteen inning marathon. It was uh, by all accounts an unbelievable game. Just both sides. I, I saw I saw interactions on Twitter from from you guys' Twitter page, from from players, from uh, other coaches. It seemed like everybody was was. I mean, it was just a beautifully played baseball game. Yeah, it was it was a dogfight, and there was mutual respect between both. There wasn't any chirping or or any of that type of stuff. It was. It was two teams competing at the highest level and, and, and pulling for their teammates and two teams that just refused to lose. And it took them 14 innings to finally get rid of us. So I told our guys after the game, I was proud of them. And we went six weeks without losing a game. So my message after the game was, let's go six more weeks. We'll be in a pretty good spot. That's 100% true. Hey, who'd you lose that first game to? We did lose to the Columbia Tigers and Coach Edge. Okay, I was just I was just curious about that. In all seriousness, you guys have a really, really, really good uh, good situation right now. You're in a good situation. You like you said, the the lefty is um he's good, he's good, good. But you also have f- at least three, maybe four, really quality arms behind that, and, and especially in high school. I mean, they're they're really, really good high school arms, and a, and a couple of them are really, really young. Um, yeah, you guys, you guys, I, I'll, I'll be rooting for you hard. I know, uh, I know the kind of program that you guys run, and it's, it's, it's. I, I think you guys have a decent chance to make a, a really good run, and I'm excited for you. Yeah, we appreciate it. I don't care. I don't care for me. Like I really don't. And I, I, I that probably sounds untrue, but I, I don't care. No, I, I 100 um, know that you're being dead serious I, when you say that. I want these kids to be rewarded for everything they've put into this season so far. And that's going to be playing playoff baseball with a chance to go to the Final Four. We could do it. We have we have two really good young arms to back up our, our senior lefty. 
and we're going to come at you with, with three good arms in the playoffs. So it, it might take you 14 innings to get rid of us again, but you better, you better, you better come ready for it. Yeah, and you better play perfect baseball for, four in, or for 14 innings as well. Yeah, Clay was – they walked the second batter of the game, and they didn't issue a free pass for the last 13 innings. <laughs> oh, my God. For high school baseball – for any level of baseball, that is insane. I mean, there's major league teams that can't do that. They, they have a really, really good team. And we hung, we hung right there with them. You know, we, we had a runner on third with one out in, in the bottom of the 12th or something to, to win the game. Just didn't execute like we needed to. But I, I'll put us – that's one of those things that's like the process. I'll put us back in that situation, and I'll trust that we'll get it done the next time. Absolutely, 100%, 100% agree. Um, you guys play in the, one of the re- most ridiculous districts in all of high school baseball. Um, and it's, 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 a, it's a, a damn shame, really, that somebody's going to get left out of the playoff picture which will be you know it's it's you guys and clay and that other school from out west that we don't really care anything about and baker county like that's four quality baseball teams two of them are going to get left out um and 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 that's i guess that's life like we talked about earlier there's winners and losers and that's how it's going to be but i I don't know it just i feel like the fhsaa could make a, a better path to the state state playoffs I like the original format that they had where district winners and then four at-larges from that region. Obviously, I knew what type of district would be in, but it is what it is. I've told our guys, you know, winners worry about winning and losers worry about winners. So Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll let everyone else worry about the umpires and bad calls and where they have to play, and we'll just worry about executing. And if we do that... We'll be in a good spot. And that's kind of been what we've taken to all years. Don't worry about what anyone else is doing, what the umpire strike zone is, what their coach is doing. If they're talking to our dugout, then we have them right where we want them. So we'll let, we'll let losers worry about winners, and we'll let winners worry about what it takes to win a baseball game. That's freaking beautiful, man. Um, the only other question I have is, uh, is, is what is, what is one just – whatever piece of advice that you would give to another coach or a young coach that's coming up, what, uh, what's one piece of advice you would give them? Yeah. So I'll touch on one thing as a head coach and one as an assistant coach. Cause I think they're both important. Absolutely. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for a head coach, I'll say this, be comfortable knowing what you don't know. And when you act like you know, everything, it takes away some trust, some, of you being authentic to your players and they can sense that so you know for me i don't know a ton about catching and pitching so i brought jt um coach with my dad which is really cool he's our pitching coach he's coached pitching for a long time so for me it's like i'm not gonna try to to overstep my boundaries and try to act like i know a bunch about those two things when i don't it's okay like it, it really is okay and when you're willing to accept that Players will trust you more. Um, they'll, they'll buy in when you allow them to ask questions that are professional. Um, not questioning your decisions so much as just like, hey, coach, what, what, what are we doing here? You know, like, um, help me understand this. When you can have open communication and you can admit that you're wrong, that goes a long way with players. And like my first two years at Santa Fe, it was like, no, you can't show a weakness. Like, they'll, they'll eat that up. But now it's like, no, that's not a weakness. That's a strength. So 
I think that's the most important thing. Is just it's just it's okay not to know everything. I don't know I don't know a lot, <laughs> and I'm willing to adapt every single day, and that has brought me tons more success than than acting like I know everything about baseball. Because as soon as you get into that mindset, your your players aren't going to respect that anymore. I, I think as an assistant. The most important, the number one most important thing is being loyal to your head coach. Yes, sir. You, no matter if you agree with them or not on certain individual decisions, you have to be loyal. And you have to know your role. Your role as an assistant coach is completely different than as a head coach. When I was at Santa Fe College, I was more of like the players could come talk to me individually if something Mm -hmm. was going on. That I think that's kind of JT's role in our program right now, and I'm so thankful for that. He's kind of the bridge between between me and the players. Um, now I'm kind of more. I have to manage everything around the program, so I can't. I gotta be tough. I gotta be tougher. I gotta um, have accountability. I can't be the the. I'm a players coach, but it's different when you're an assistant coach and you're a head coach. No, dude, you're absolutely speaking my language. So, like, I I have been a little bit different, but it's, it's similar. So, coordinator at Columbia, I relied on my assistant coaches, the guys that coach linebackers, DBs, DNs, to be the guy that can put his arm around somebody and be like, hey. And then he can come to me and say, look, so-and-so is having a tough time. And then I can go address it if I need to. But as an assistant coach, but what I will say is this, is now I'm a linebacker coach, so I'm, I'm the assistant. It's helped me be a better assistant coach from being a coordinator because now I go to my DC and I'm like, hey, how do you want me to teach this? I can teach this this way, my way, but I also want to make sure it doesn't co- – I don't want to mess anything up how you want it done. And I think assistant coaches need to – and any coach for that matter, take your ego out of it. This 100% is not about you. It's about the kid. He has to get as good or she has to get as good as they can get. And it's your job to do it, whether it be uh, give him tough love or or hold him or, or, or put your arm around him and say, look, I love you, but this has to be better. And, and so what you said is absolutely perfect. It's different when you're the head man or your assistant or you're the one running this show or you're the assistant. It is different. And so I, I, I really I, I absolutely totally agree with that. Um, that insight there on on the advice to assistant and, and, and then even head coaches or or people that are over their their team or whatever it may be I you you couldn't have said it any better I, I couldn't I, I don't agree more and I know Joey we talked a little bit we muted our mic and while you were speaking we we absolutely agree um but one thing yet we want to say was thank you so much genuine as 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 possible Man, it, this was this is as long as we've had an episode in a while, but I bet it listens better than anyone we've had. It's been really, really good. Um, unbelievable amount of insight. We appreciate you letting us into your program at Santa Fe. Um, man, this is uh, it's good. I, I am sincerely appreciative of your time um, on the on the front porch with our sitters, and I think our I think our listeners will thoroughly enjoy um, enjoy this evening's interview. Yeah, I hope so. I appreciate you guys having me on so much. Um, same thing I just said. Like, I, I'm I'm okay with not knowing everything. Um, I think for me, I, I I understand how much culture matters and expectations and accountability matter. And I've tried to just do the best I can. 
And at the end of the day, if you can look yourself in the mirror and know that you are doing what's best for the kids and for your program, no matter what the result ends up being, you can sleep pretty well at night. 100% agree. Hey, Travis, seriously, thanks for coming on. Good luck going forward. This has been Bradford Douglas along with Joey Edge and Chris Martinez with special guest Travis Yeckring, and we are from Port Sitting. See you next time, Sitters. Sub no. Stop. Drop. Shut them down. Open up shop. Oh, no. That's how rough fighters roll. Stop. Drop. Shut them down. Try. Snitches wanna lie, the snitches wonder why, snitches wanna die All I know is pain, all I feel is rain I cannot maintain, with madness on my brain I resort to violence, my killers move in silence Like you don't know what I silence, then your killers are wildest My dogs is with it, you want it, come and get it Took it, then we split it, damn right we did it What the F you gon' do, when we run up on you Messing with the wrong crew, don't know what we going through I'ma have to show, how easily we blow Let me find out there's some more Light it up like a candle, just cause I can't stand you Put my on tapes, like you bustin' grapes Think you holdin' weight, and you haven't met the apes Stop, drop, shut em down Mind your business, lady. Nosy people get it too. When you see me spit at you, you know I'm trying to get rid of you. Yeah, I know it's pitiful. That's how killers get down. Watch my killers spit round. Make you suckers kiss ground. Just for talking clown. Oh, you think it's funny? Then you don't know me, money. It's about to get ugly. Whatever, dog, I'm hungry. I guess you know what that means. Come up off that green. Rob's against over me. Don't make it a murder scene. Give a dog a bone. Leave a dog alone. Let a dog roam and he'll find his way home. Home of the brave. My home. And yo, I'm a slave to my home, it's the grave I'm a poor capers, it's all about the papers Chickens caught the papers and now they want to rape us Stop, drop, shut them down, open up shop Oh, no, that's how rough riders roll Stop, drop, shut them down, open up shop